0: Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by revengeofthefans.com, we get deep, going inside the movie within a movie and tackle Last Action Hero, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the
0: underdog films, the bombs, the disasters,
2: the much-maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy
1: the show.
0: Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops. I am one of your hosts, the famous comedian Arnold y'all, Yell 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 yell. AK the Thunderous Wizard, and I am here with The Irate Lover. Yes, we are back and we are ready to talk, Last Action Hero, which to us, not really a bad movie. I don't it might
2: be a flop, but I love this movie. Yeah, according to the name of the podcast, this is a flop and we should do it on this podcast, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie when I watched it over a week ago now. So, Last
0: Action Hero uh, came out in 1993. It uh, was a big-time flop, mainly because it came out around a certain movie involving dinosaurs
2: and Jeff Goldblum. That's Jurassic Park. Did you look at me like you wanted me to guess? Yeah. (laughs) That's the most disrespectful thing ever, if you thought I couldn't have guessed that. It's been a long time. Jesus. Your memory is not what it used to be. That's fair.
0: You know, you age every day, visibly.
2: What is this? (laughs) This is the most judgmental? Look, you turd. You're the one that didn't record the podcast last time, so we're doing this a second time. I want all the fans out there to know, if Tom sounds, all the fans, all 40 of you, if Tom sounds very prepared and I don't, it's because last time we tried to do the show, We went on for about 40 minutes, and he let me know abruptly that he forgot to record. So my notes have been thrown away, and Tom has his notes. I
0: didn't forget to record. What I did was I turned your mic off. I feel like that was a Freudian slip. Now, in retrospect, maybe that would have benefited the conversation, but we'll never know now because that episode is lost
2: in the annals of time. (laughs) You know what? I think that's a good idea for a podcast where... It's called, like, um, You're the Guest, so you and I actually do the podcast, but you mute my mic, and then when the fans listen to it, they can just speak their own minds like they're actually having a conversation with you.
0: Like, they have to sort of figure out where the conversation was going based upon how I'm talking.
2: Yeah, it would be like the loneliest sack of shit move ever, but I think we should do it.
0: I think, I think that would be, like, we do the Invisible Man, and you serve as the Invisible Man for that podcast.
2: Yeah, I'd participate. Although
0: you're the silent man, I guess. That makes more sense. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. okay,
2: let's get on with you describing All right, what- so
0: 1993, uh, currently sits at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. There's only 47 reviews. As we've said, these older movies, it's a little tougher to have an abundance of reviews, because... They weren't aggregating them quite the same way they were, they are now.
2: That's low. You know what you should do is like for one of our other segments is find other movies that are way worse than this with higher scores, because there's probably some like shitty Seagal movies that are in the 40s or something. Like this is not a third of people should have liked it. Like it was not good. even close. No, it was well, we'll oh, we're gonna get into it, but I thought it was a little bit ahead of its time, and. Forward thinking, I think we brought this up with you cabin fever, not cabin fever what's the one <laughs>
1: uh not cabin
2: fever uh cabin cabin in the woods, in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> that cabin in the woods uh how they kind of take the horror movie tropes and deconstruct it and add some humor, but it's still a a good movie that's what this was doing, so um. Yeah, I thought it was ahead of its time. 36 is insane.
0: I think people didn't understand it when it came out. They didn't know what it was trying to be. And I actually blame more than on people that just not going into a movie and being sort of open to what the movie was. Uh, nowadays, you see a lot online, like people get really upset on on what a movie is as as opposed to what they wanted it to be. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that's sort of what stung this movie the worst so it only made 50 million dollars domestically cost around 65 the marketing which we'll talk about a little bit later was insane for this film uh they put the logo for the movie on a nasa rocket why you i don't know who in space was a perspective uh future attendee to buy a ticket to this film but
2: elon musk that's solid market by the way the
0: rocket never launched uh there were some problems with it so definitely elon musk yeah so so that was one of the things and it made around 137 worldwide but from what i gathered it lost around 26 million dollars total
2: so what how could it make over 100 million but it only cost 65 well the budget
0: was probably close to 100 million dollars
2: Oh, Nowll tell to the market budget. the film, oh, okay, I guess, gotcha. so
0: marketing a hundred million production sixty five million uh, and it now, I can't verify this, I probably could have, but it said while it was being produced it was the most expensive movie to be made at in that moment. I find that hard to believe with Jurassic Park coming out right in the same window. I would think that would have cost more, but it's not that this movie's bad looking. In fact, a lot of the, the the stunts and the action scenes are really awesome,
2: and the fucking cartoon. Uh, but there's I, just
0: so much practical effect no, like, that went into Jurassic Park.
2: I don't think uh, I don't think that the budget for production sixty five million. You said yeah, that's not bad because there were a bunch of locations. There were some sweet explosions. I mean, Schwarzenegger's probably what thirty million bucks. Well, he was fifteen, which is what the movie made its opening
0: weekend. And then uh, finished second place in its opening weekend. Veronica
2: Vaughn, probably another fifteen million. Uh no, that's probably what she's made in her career. That's rude. And that <laughs> kid, I mean, he was he stole the show, so
0: Well, you know, onward and upward for that guy, he was he was such a red hot actor, he became the uh the um uh, the love object in my girl too so.
2: love, <laughs>
0: love, <interest. laughs> love, love object love
2: interest love love object love
0: object that's the that was the name of the place craft went right
1: <laughs> okay love object is, is gonna be confused. my new
2: my new handle on this podcast love. i'm the love object all right so uh give me uh give me a rundown of the plot here so people that don't want to see it which i recommend against you should see this
0: yeah you should definitely
2: watch this movie but here's a recap so go uh go ahead and tell them the summary All right, so the actual description of the movie is following the death
0: of his father, which you get he's he's growing up in a single-parent household. I don't recall them really disclosing that his dad died, but it is so obvious that he looks at this character in these movies as sort of a surrogate figure for him. Uh, So after the death of his father, young Danny Madigan, the love object, Austin O'Brien, takes comfort in watching action movies featuring the indestructible Los Angeles cop, Jack Slater. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. After being given a magic ticket by theater manager Nick, Danny is sucked into the screen and bonds with Slater. When evil fictional villain Benedict, played by Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister, gets his hands on the ticket and enters the real world, Danny and Jack must follow and stop him. That's the gist of the movie.
2: That was lengthy. Um, It left out a a few key elements there. I think Harry Houdini was... Yes, what it was, was
0: Harry Houdini's magic ticket.
2: I mean, Houdini's, the, the shocking thing is that he's like the catalyst for everything that happens. It's crazy.
0: So Houdini had this magic ticket. So my question is, why was he doing all these insane stunts that were like just going to get him killed when he could have been really <laughs> wowing he,
2: people with some... If he's a real magician, why do you like practical magic? Yeah,
0: like why <laughs> sit, sit in a, a tank of water while in a straitjacket?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the real story here is uh, Harry Houdini makes a, a magic movie ticket that allows people to travel between movie screens and then back to reality, which raises a bunch of questions, but um, I, I mean, the magic wasn't a problem for me. I knew going into it, it was going to be that, so no big deal. There
0: are some issues if you think too
2: hard about the plot. I, I didn't mind that little device there because if you spend too much time justifying magic, it's pretty much a waste, but them just saying it's Houdini's ticket is fine, that's uh, not a big deal.
0: Yeah. Now, my one sentence review mm-hmm. would is more if a Hollywood studio executive snuck into my room when I was 10 and stole my journal and decided to make a movie out of the entry that appeared more than any other one. That would be me hanging out with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, at the La Brea Tar Pits and becoming best
2: friends for life. At 10 years old, you were writing about Arnold Schwarzenegger in a personal journal?
0: Well, I started probably around 8 after my father took me to see Terminator 2, and I was smitten with Arnold.
2: I hope one of the listeners out there keeps a, an ongoing record of your childhood from the other podcast, we found out you used to um, stare longingly at a WCW calendar with Nitro Girls on it, and um, you also wrote articles or entries into a journal about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Feverishly entered them. This is, this is not good. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into some other personal stories, I guess. But yeah, someone just keep track of all this so we can really get a, a nice frame for Tom's childhood.
0: I often think about what it would be like if Arnold and I had met and become the best of friends.
2: I wish I had like a sultry saxophone to play behind that. <laughs> this is like an episode of, what was that stupid show, that
0: like Skinemax show? What? was the, <laughs> the person writing in the
2: diary. Oh, Red Shoe Diaries? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was more it's a... a
0: little less sultry because it's just me and Arnold like pumping <laughs> iron and... Smoking cigars and laughing, <laughs> eating cookies.
2: This is the most graphic description of a 10-year-old's journal I've ever heard.
0: Just saying, I didn't have a lot of friends. I wanted Arnold to be my friend. So that's so much to ask.
2: So that's a, that's a good summary. So uh, let's get into uh, questions. I know you got some questions about it.
0: I do. I do. Before I get to the questions, I did want to say this movie is directed by John McTiernan, who did Die Hard. Ah. So the pedigree, and he also directed Predator. Die John Hard 1? Yeah, and 3. Uh, so John McTiernan is, was a, I mean, he was a gold star action director at the time, and he's sort of faded uh, into obscurity over the recent past. Like, I think he did Rollerball, the new one with... Was it LL Cool J? With Not Stifler, but the other handsome guy from American Pie, Chris Klein. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, yeah, El Cool Joe was in Rollerball. Ball, <laughs> not Stifler. <laughs> That's my what description was his name? Ox? for Oz uh, Striker. Oz, also Oz? Charlie Nash in the Bad Street Fighter, the worst Street Fighter movie.
2: That that is a, a just a shit basket. Yeah. The worst Street Fighter movie. <laughs> That's when he describes M. Bison <laughs> as a guy who can walk through raindrops.
0: Was it a cartoon or a movie? It was an actual movie, and Michael Clark Duncan was in it.
2: What? What was it called?
0: Uh, I think it was called Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. Who did Michael Clark Duncan play? Balrog. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't watch that, or do, and uh, try and walk through raindrops when you finish. Jesus. So, also, this movie, uh, when we get into the the behind-the-scenes stuff, of which there is a lot to discuss, uh, ended up being rewritten by Shane Black, who... Also wrote The Predator and was in The Predator
2: as the guy who tells... you mean Predator. Yeah. The Predator, I believe, is that... The new one. Poorly reviewed one.
0: Well, he did that, too.
2: Did he write Predator? Yeah. He
0: wrote Predator, and he's in Predator as the guy who tells... uh, Lethal Weapon, too? Yeah, he wrote Lethal Weapon. He's the guy that tells Billy dirty jokes in Predator. Uh, And, of course, he's done... He's done a lot of really awesome movies, but... Movies that are kind of similar in tone to this, like *Kiss Kiss Bang Bang* and *The Nice Guys*, which if you haven't seen, he directed those as well. Those are a definite watch.
2: See, those have uh, those two are like action movies. One's more of a mystery, but with humor and um, kind of—I don't want to say winking at the audience because that's probably disrespectful—but like they're a little bit m- more intelligent than most action movies. And pretty highbrow humor.
1: They're
0: they're really sharp with the dialogue, and I don't remember the, remember if it's in the Nice Guys as much or at all. But in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, they break the fourth wall a lot. Gotcha. Like you know, you're in on it. Like he's it talking almost. to you. Yeah. He's telling you his story. I gotcha. Um, so I've seen this movie pr- over fifty times. Uh, I've also, as a kid, I had the novelization. <laughs> 50 of Fifty times. Oh yeah. I oh love I love God. this movie. <laughs> I had I owned it in VHS. I owned it on DVD. I I have a more precise
2: answer for how many times I've seen it. How how many? Just under three. (laughs) I mean, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. I know I saw it when I was a kid, and you made me watch it for this. So I've seen it um, about 48 times, less than you.
0: You've got only 47. To be fair, you
2: have. thing for Schwarzenegger you owned every single movie every single Schwarzenegger movie
0: except for at a time the villain which is like a western movie where he faces off with kirk douglas um he's he wasn't er, the best english speaker at the time (laughs) what i guess you could argue he's still not (laughs) but uh him in a western is not uh it was not great You could subtitle most of his movies. Well, if you remember Hercules in New York, they re dubbed all his lines. Yeah. And that was I think
2: (laughs) after the villain, so (laughs) we should probably no, we should not watch that. I'm not gonna watch that. I've seen clips of it and there's no way I'm gonna see that.
0: It's worth, you know, going back in time and watching maybe twenty minutes of, but yeah, it's not worth so it's hard to watch. With the writer
2: of Predator and the director of
0: Die Hard. This movie was expected to be a huge hit, and until I really started digging into this research, I was not aware of how big of a flop it was considered to be. Now, I thought it was a movie that wasn't really popular at the time, and since it's gained a little bit of a following, but there's like literally chapters in books written about how big of a flop this was.
2: That's depressing.
0: Was Black the first and last writer, or were there a bunch no, of edits? there was more, so... Shane Black and his writing partner came on They were let go Uh, William Goldman Who's probably one of the greatest screenwriters to ever live Who recently passed away He was a script doctor on this He was paid a million dollars to clean it up Other guys were brought in after him it was rumored or reported And what I read that McTiernan Was rewriting stuff daily To try and get the tone right They were like all over the place It was a mad scramble to get this thing done And to me you that does not that's not represented on screen when you watch it like it looks like a film that was it's well made i think it's cut together well i think the dialogue is good i do not sense how up against it they were but when we talk about behind the
2: scenes they were really up against it uh, do you know if there's any like director's cuts of this where it's longer or better i also i want to say i don't think the dialogue was that good um, I don't know what was the guy's name in the office where he he made jokes to introduce himself. John Practice Practice. <laughs> how did how he get into F Murray Abraham? Hall? Practice, you son of a bitch! Like there, there's some. <clears throat> how did we get? How did we make it this long without you doing a Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I I dialogue wasn't great. I'm not surprised to hear it was rewritten a bunch. Um I like the tone. I'd be. I wish they would like release original scripts for movies.
0: You can read the original original script for this movie online. Oh, nice. Uh, I think it's titled "Extremely Violent," uh, and in that, the title character is actually named Arno Slater. It was very purposeful who they were trying to make him. Just so happened they got Arnold to agree to do the movie. Gotcha.
2: Nice. Well, good cameos in this movie too. Lots of great cameos. T1000 shows up. Sharon Stone, Van Damme's in it. Danny DeVito. A cardboard cutout a, of Stallone.
0: As a cartoon cat.
2: Yeah, that's... I didn't have many questions, but that's got to be my biggest one, is what the hell was going on in that police department? Police department? It was just a fun place to work. That didn't make any sense. Like, There's a rabbi cop. There was a black and white cop in a color movie. Humphrey Bogart makes an appearance, that's right. But, I mean, it doesn't make any... If you watch, like, the the premise is he's watching an action movie and then he goes into the action movie. I've never seen, like, an action film where there were cartoons and black and white cops in it. I just don't get it.
0: The police station is the scene that feels most like an outward spoof. Whereas, like, really, if you just had him as this cop who can do anything and, you know everything he shoots blows up he can punch through windows and nothing hurts and it's really just riffing on action but that felt like a lethal weapon type scene
2: yeah all that like all all the rest of the stuff besides the precinct was fine even when like the captain yelling and a little smoke comes out of his ears it's like all right i i get it you're trying to let us know this is the the movie part of it all but i <clears throat> i did like the transition from uh being in the movie so in the cinema or in the in the uh, actual movie to reality, like some of the stuff they did, where uh, the bad guy killed a guy in New York and the cops never showed up, or uh, Schwarzenegger tries to shoot the back of the cab and it doesn't blow up like it does in the movies. Like all that stuff was was awesome. Charles Dance's
0: realization that in the real world, uh, the bad guys are at the advantage, I think, is one of the sort of under it's it's an it's an underplayed like it's very subtle like he's he gets it like oh i can win here yep and he doesn't go over the top with it like when he realizes that of course he then goes and shoots somebody and just starts screaming and it's sort of like that scene in coming to america where he's like i'm in love and the guy's like shut up
2: i thought that would have been a better ending if uh he actually did kill jack slater it's a little dark but you know, in the movies, the good guy always wins in real life. <laughs> Bad people tend to win.
0: I think if you make that movie now, that's what happens. If you make this movie, it comes out two weeks from now, Jack Slater dies at the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's... But I, I bet they test screened it and audiences would have like hated it or something.
0: Oh, yeah. And this movie if famously bombed the test screen to the point where they collected all the feedback cards and, and th- destroyed them. The word of mouth going into this film was so bad, like they were just in full-on panic mode.
2: That's unfortunate.
0: So let's get to a couple of questions. Now, as I said, I've seen this movie over 50 times. How many times do you think you would have cycled through the Slater franchise? Because I'm all in on Jack Slater. I want to see him and the Rooftop Ripper going after it. I want to know what happened to Slater 1 and 2. I'm all in. <clears throat> yeah, let's like, get these sequels. I'd prequels. like to
2: see uh like the actual footage of those those movies. I'd like to know who the other bad guys were. I'd like to know uh like uh what his daughter does after this one. She probably becomes an action star, Veronica Vaughn.
0: Well, yeah, she went and fought in a martial arts tournament
2: uh, for Mortal, the fate of the world. Mortal Kombat. I forgot she was Sonya Blade till you brought that up. I I think I'd probably Watch all these at least once. I'd probably put it because you know greatest action series of all time. I mean, you got to put Mission Impossible up there, the Bourne's. Even though there's some that you might want to leave out of the canon. I mean, it's not like two of them. It's not like <laughs> that's true. Two out of five. <laughs> it's not like you know James Bond or I would I would anything. easily watch twenty five
0: Jack Slater films, and that's not even. I'm not lying. I would watch 25 of them.
2: I'd probably say it's like, I'd probably watch it somewhere between the amount of times I've seen all the diehards and all the lethal weapons. So, in the three so, to four range. with your weak viewing habits. You, I can't believe you've seen this movie 50 times. I love this movie. How many of those were I you, own the book. Those, how many of those times were you sober? Well, a lot of it
0: I was because I was a kid, so... Well, that doesn't mean anything. You're Irish. <laughs> That's right. The Irish, we start drinking (laughs) at 9 or 10 just to get,
2: you know, get our legs under us, our sea legs. I can't believe you were sober for almost 50 viewings of this. That's depressing. Is it? All right. I have a question for you. Okay. Was there a deleted scene where Schwarzenegger bangs the mom?
0: No, but it's pretty clear that he and the mom hooked up while Dan. Daniel Madigan was sleeping in the other room. Was this PG thirteen? Also, secret entry in my diary. I was
2: the mother. <laughs> <laughs> you was there a deleted scene between you and Schwarzenegger? Yes, I think uh, it was such a weird scene. Like he, they should have just outright like. They were kind of like intimating that he banged the mom. Like she's like to the kid. Oh, what do you want for breakfast? They're sitting there having coffee in, in the morning and stuff, and smiling and listening to classical music. But like they should have just straight up like shown him walking out of her bedroom with a towel on.
0: <laughs> okay, like minus the sexual attention, that's literally like ninety percent of those journal entries. Oh my! Arnold's God. making me
2: pancakes. <laughs> We're just riffing on life. You uh, do you still have this journal? Oh no, it's gone. I love that you have. Oh, it's, it's gone. Oh, that's unfortunate. It's in my safety deposit box. I would gladly <laughs> spend one of these episodes just revisiting. Just your going through the journal, erotic fantasies, and now of deep thoughts. Okay. You I have have, any more questions?
0: I have an observation before uh, another question. Yeah, not a question. Uh, one Arnold would have crushed it as Hamlet. Move over Mel Gibson; you're too weak to play Hamlet. Arnold would have killed that role. You know when he's Claudius. No, I, I, yeah. To be or but, not to be. No, yeah. Not to be.
2: That's not great. Crushed it, Oscar. N- strong disagree. Sign him up. What's your uh, What's your next question?
0: All right. So Nick, who is the theater manager who I think lives in the theater.
2: Oh, what what did I know him from again?
0: Well, he's uh, he's Mrs. Doubtfire's boss That's at right. the kids' TV <laughs> station.
2: <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
0: Uh He states he always wanted to be a magician, but his hands were too small. <laughs> <laughs> Very Trumpian. Now, yeah. I was curious, is
2: having small hands that big a deal in terms of being a magician? Not in terms of being president. Because as we know, you can get into the Oval Office with very tiny hands. It oversized suits but I, I imagine tiny hands. If you want to do like a mechanic's grip on the cards or do some weird, like probably card tricks. It's probably hard to be a magician.
0: Yeah, but if you like, if you say, you know, because Houdini's his hero. Say he's in a straight jacket. He's out of that thing, no, no problem. The tiny hands just I, slide right out.
2: I don't think that a hand size has anything to do with getting out of a straitjacket.
0: I mean, neither of us have shockingly tiny hands, so we'll never know. That's fair. I mean, that's the only way to test it. Yeah, that's fair. I do, the kid for the most part is extremely annoying in this movie. Yeah. Extremely. Uh, But he does, he says the line I think that really matters the most, and it's when he's sitting there watching Slater 3, he says, Jack Slater can't lose, never has, never will. And that, is why I love this movie so much, because it embodies why we watch movies like this. We go to these movies because knowing the hero is going to win. And that's what makes them fun. Even though it sort of eliminates the suspense, it's how he does it, we want the hero to win. I thought you went to these movies to fill up your Arnold Spank bank that you were writing. It's
2: it's not, that's not what the bank is. <laughs> it's a fond memory bank. You're, just to be clear, that line is the reason... That we go to see movies. Yes, you know, like movies like this, the hero. Are you only going to speak in superlatives on this one? Perhaps it's a it's a bold statement, but um, sure, Your you want the hero opinion. to win. It's it's about their triumph, just <clears>
0: throat> like throat> every comic book movie that's out now.
2: I disagree. Although
0: yeah. I will tell you this: if we had a scale of comic book characters that could beat up Jack Slater, there's literally none besides Superman. He would beat the hell out of th- all of
2: them. I don't know. When I watch Goodfellas, I root for the bad guy. I rooted for Walter White during Breaking Bad. I love The Sopranos. Tony you was have, a piece of you shit. You have some problems. Yeah, you do the same thing. No one, Well, yeah, I do. No one I, goes do to like, I do to see like the anti's win,
0: but movies like this, you want the good guys to win. Yeah, for five. As I said, right, he could beat up any super villain or superhero. How do I know that? Right, Thanos snaps. Half the people in the universe die. Guess what he says to Benedict? How are you going to snap when I rip off both of your thumbs? So he rips off both of Thanos' Thanos' thumbs. Game over. We just saved ourselves. We don't have to watch a three-hour sequel. It's over. Are you using this podcast just to talk about the Avengers? I'm using this podcast to establish that Arnold could beat the hell out of every Avenger. Like current day Arnold? We'd have to shave off
2: 15 to 20 years. That's fair. I bet he still has a chance. 30. <laughs> what? He could probably play like the Captain America role. Captain America doesn't age. Doesn't C- he? Captain America can't have an Austrian accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, his name's Jack Slater in this, which is the most American name ever. Why do they do that? Why can't he be like an Austrian cop? I don't know. It's a yeah, he's
0: always like John Matrix.
2: Uh, what's his name in uh his name's dutch and what's Predator. his name in jingle all the way they just missed on um, a lot of levels oh is it harry no that's from true lies yeah <laughs> harry tasker um that had to be his code name jamie is it his name just dad in true lies <laughs> no
0: isn't his name just dad (laughs) you know he has conversations with his wife and jiggle all the way she doesn't go hey dad make sure to get jamie the turbo man otherwise he'll turn into a sith lord and murder a bunch of kids well she calls him honey (laughs) true fair all right so before daniel gets sucked into the movie as he's sitting there watching uh slater Four. uh this this truck is driving around Howard chasing Langston.
2: A, Howard Langston. Howard Langston. Pretty.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty white bread. Jesus. This truck is driving around chasing Arnold with just a crate of dynamite. Seems a little dangerous. <clears throat> yep. Uh I would agree. Isn't there like better things to have in your truck to attack him with than a crate of
2: unstable TNT? Oh, you TNT? mean the the Model A Ford with like five like character actor villains just shooting Uzis and Throwing dynamite. That was a, it was a great scene because it leads to what might be the greatest death ever, the ice cream cone to the back of the head of the, uh, I used to know his name. It's like Ken Long.
0: He's uh, hes the really angry guy from Big Trouble that Samoan drops
2: the guy through the window during the funeral throwdown. He's the guy that eats the candy bar. The in, Chinese standoff. Uh, Die Hard. I think he's the guy that electrocutes Mel Gibson too in the torture scene from Lethal Weapon. Yeah. It's so he, I
0: mean, you'd you know this guy. He's all over the place in the 80s and early 90s. Oh, he's the best. So he uh, says, ice that guy to
2: cone a phrase. Ice that guy to cone a phrase. Again, after hearing that, remember that Tom said he liked the dialogue in this movie?
0: I think it's brilliant. Dog shit. So many great one-liners, and I actually have a
2: bunch of them written down. I had to ask you a significant amount of times what he says when he, at the end of that scene... Backs his convertible into the spot in the pink building. Do you remember? And it's
0: something like being tight like a weenie or something.
2: He's, I believe he says, "Doesn't this just suck, weenie?" Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that's. It. Who
2: the fuck? So someone someone wrote that down. That's dialogue. That was a rewrite. He, he it was probably improvised. <laughs> I. I feel like back in the day, Schwarzenegger called a lot of people weenies, so that was probably in his lexicon.
0: I imagine uh, when he was at the height of his powers and somebody would be annoying to him, he might refer to them as like a toilet bug or something like that. A toilet bug? Yeah. Weenie. What's what's your next question? All right. So... I just have a couple of good observations. Uh, I thought
2: this was the question segment.
0: Well, I love this movie. There's really not that much weird
2: stuff about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> not. Oh, so how about the fact that the villain changes his fucking eye? Most of his eyes are bombs, and sometimes when he takes it out, it's still fucking that, in. <laughs> that is a
0: curious question.
2: How how are these these. Uh, Glass Eye is such powerful explosive devices. There's not that much weird stuff. The fucking bad guy snaps his fingers and his dogs get into a dog pyramid like cheerleaders. They're well trained. And then he says, if I snap again, they'll attack you or something. What's the fucking utility of training your dogs to get into a pyramid on a snap?
0: Have you ever seen the Westminster Kennel Club dog show?
2: Uh, Yeah, Tom. So he enters a team event. That's a win. I can't believe you said there's not that much weird stuff in this movie. That's
0: right. So I'll give you the glass eyes being as explosive as they are seems a little outrageous. Not to mention he keeps them on this like weird stand that just seems to be made of spoons. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so I wanted to point out my favorite cameo from the police station is that Hawk from American Gladiators is the rabbi's partner.
2: Oh, yeah, that's that's crazy.
0: And, of course, F. Murray Abraham, John Practice, is the creepy old guy who owns the house in 13 Ghosts. You say F. Murray Abraham like people know who that is? John Practice. <laughs> and Danny warns uh, Slater to watch out for this guy because he killed Mozart,
2: and he actually did in Amadeus. Amadeus, yeah. Those aren't obscure films at all.
0: So, all right, legit question now, legit question. How much worse would Terminator 2 have been with Stallone in the title role?
2: Oh, yeah. There's a scene in the movie where he has to convince Schwarzenegger that Schwarzenegger's in an action movie, and it's not his reality. So what's he do? He takes him to a blockbuster where working at the cash register is the redhead from Bordello of Blood. Angie Everhart. Yeah. She's in Playboy or something like that. Yeah, or something like that. uh (laughs) That was my journal. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of Angie Everhart, <laughs> but he walks in there, and so other things he does to try to get Arnold to realize he's in a, in a movie. He tries to get him to say fuck, and he won't. He tries to get him to. Or he tries to get people's phone numbers, and they all start with five five five. And he says it's because we're all in California, which I thought was a pretty clever comeback. He says that's why we have area codes. But he goes into Blockbuster. And he goes, where's the action section? And he tries to show him that his movies are there. And there's a cardboard cutout that looks like the T2 uh, box, but Stallone is actually playing the Terminator. It's his cardboard cutout. Could you
0: imagine the Terminator pursuing Sarah Connor and the whole time he's like two and a
2: half inches shorter than she is? And not Austrian? Yeah. (laughs) Yo, stop. I'm the Terminator. Stop. What? What uh, what impression is that? <laughs> uh, it was Stallone. I think it's the, the guy from Rocky 5. <laughs> it's, it's Stallone and Rocky 5 when he has CTE. <laughs> uh, Terminator 2 with Stallone. If they could swap... See, here's the thing. You put Stallone in the Terminator franchise. Probably not as good, but you put Schwarzenegger in Rambo.
0: Oh, it's better. Better, yeah, yeah. It's sure. way better. Well, I don't know. I really like the newest Rambo and the first one, but in between, if you just substituted Arnold, I'll say this: you put Schwarzenegger in Rocky, not better, not not great. Well, he'd just he'd fight himself in the fourth one,
2: which would be that's weird. fair. Yeah, so he would improve on Rambo, but definitely not. There's Rocky.
0: never been a better looking bicep holding a uh, automatic weapon than Schwarzenegger's and. Uh, commando. Are you taking your pants off right now? My pants are on, <laughs> for the record.
2: Uh, yeah, that would... Uh, I probably wouldn't watch Terminator with so Stallone. So much muscle. I What? <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely watch Terminator with Stallone now that I think about it. It would you just be what? a comedy. As we get
0: deeper into this podcast, I'm just saying it now. We're making every other month Arnold Action Month.
2: I could do a I could do a Schwarzenegger movie at least once a month. I love it. I'm fine with that.
0: Uh, another question here we go this one i think this is one of the biggies because uh towards the end benedict escapes from the film and now he's in reality as we talked about right he's discovering that did you tell them what else he's from well charles dance is he's tywin lannister the big thing but he's
2: also oh the bad guy from uh, the golden child yes. sweet brother noomse so a couple of big hits noomse. there Hey, guy crushes. He's just like the quintessential like ginger bad guy. He's awesome in this movie. He looks like Vincent Van Gogh in that painting where he cut his ear off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I don't need you to agree with me, but I definitely don't need you to mock me. So he gets out.
0: He's got the ticket. He's got the golden ticket. Why? And he's out recruiting. He's like deciding I'm going to recruit all these horror movie. Not horror movie, uh, movie villains. Movie villains. Now, apparently, there was at one time a scene in the film that they, they had basically shot or written for the film, where it's a just a full on like invasion of movie characters from other films. Which sort of like you know if you saw Ready Player One or you read Ready Player One, it would have been akin to that. Where like it's really a geek out moment if you're a fan of films and action films
2: what they shot that scene had, i think they wrote it and they oh, never yeah. shot
0: it but it's like That's probably funny. because of budget wise it would have been insane and rights wise it would have been insane
2: but how cool would that have been oh, i'd have been fully on board with that i did think it was weird that his first well first of all he's Well, the hardest thing for me to wrap my mind around is that they're characters from movies but they know about other movies but wouldn't all their knowledge exclusively come from the films they were in? So at some point, the bad guy was watching King Kong and Dracula? That just doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, he, he goes around and he, he watches other movies. But yeah, really, it would be like whatever fake movies. he would. The movies he would know would be Terminator 2 starring Stallone.
2: Also, if you want to kill one person, I feel like the least efficient way to do that would be to get King Kong?
0: That That's what I'm... That's, he has a really flawed thinking because why would you ever take anything Hitler, out of a he movie he brings up Hitler, too. You can't control. Also, yeah, I mean... Schwarzenegger
2: was Austrian. It's just one cop. <laughs> 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 just one cop, me, man. Do you think Hitler Let's wants to easy. kill Schwarzenegger? Yeah, like, I, he just... I, th- I thought his list would have been more on point. Dracula, King Kong, and Hitler. Like, that's... Dracula... Slater would own Dracula. That's a bad choice. It's not, unless, even, it's not even. Unless it was Leslie Nielsen from Dracula. Dead uh, Yes, it. Redfield, you asshole. <laughs> Can we do that? I would Wait, love to do. We that. We need movie. a vampire month. We're going to do that, and then Vampire in Brooklyn.
0: Certainly October, we could do. We could dedicate to
2: underrated do Dracula, and dead underachieving it horror movies, and Vampire in Brooklyn. Dracula, dead loving it is Leslie Nielsen's last good movie. <laughs> And I love that movie. <laughs> I did too. Unabashedly. Like I, I watched that a lot when I was. Steven Weber from
0: Wings for the
2: win. Yeah. Yes. God.
0: So what movie bad guy would you take out? No, if I were him, obviously you don't take out King Kong. You can't control King Kong. Also, King Kong is the good guy. It's mankind. and society who think they can do whatever they want. Who are the bad guy in King Kong. So who are you taking? Who am I taking? I'm taking... Now, I've thought about this. I haven't at all. Because there's a lot of awesome bad guys.
2: I feel like it has to just be an assassin. That way you take him out of the movie, you say, hey, I'm going to pay you or something, and then he kills the guy. Well, he has to have a reason to kill him, right?
0: Well, yeah, you have to deal with someone who does things for money. Which is why I'm taking the axe or murder... just for fun.
2: The axe murder makes sense. He had a reason to kill him, but he did. But it was like,
0: dude, he already bested this guy. Why would you bring him out?
2: How about like, um, is there some sort of ninja assassin we can get? A ninja assassin? I'm sure there's a there's a movie called Ninja Assassin. And that's what I would do. Ninja assassin. All what right. about the uh, GI Joe ninja? Storm Shadow. Let's do Storm Shadow. That's my. Pick. All right, you're
0: taking Storm Shadow. One Slater owns him. I'm taking. You're out of your. Drago. No, not Draco. Although uh, Lungan from uh, Universal Soldier, not a bad choice. Sort of off the off the hinges.
2: Uh, necklace of super earrings. Super soldier. Yeah. Necklace of ears. Necklace of earrings. That'd be a real creepy thing. You just <laughs> come back for more. Why do you have a necklace of earrings? I was confused. I, I was trying to be ears decomposed after a while. <laughs> I I'm probably taking like Darth Vader. Why would Darth Vader want to kill Jack Slater? His his goals seem more
0: cosmic in what nature. If, what if it's a trade? Like Benedict's, like, "Hey, I'll kill Han Solo and Luke Skywalker." He doesn't have. If and he can't
2: kill Jack Slater, how could he kill Han? Because he'll
0: just throw one of ex- his exploding eyeballs in the exhaust of the Millennium Falcon. Okay, okay,
2: Boba Fett would make more sense. Now he would own Boba Fett. No, the Fett man's an assassin. That's what you would have to do. Did Fest- you, did you... Bolo
0: Young. Here's how it goes. Chung Lee. Are you ready for this? Boba Fett walks up to Slater after Slater's sort of avoided all his gunfire. <clears throat> what does Slater say? You want to be a farmer? <laughs> Here's two <laughs> oh, acres. Kicks him square in the testes. Takes him about 15 now, feet off the ground. I, game over.
2: I had to have Tom explain to me what the fuck the joke was. One, I think Schwarzenegger's accent just causes me problems. But two, he said, do you want to be a farmer? Here's two acres, and then kicks him in the nuts. And I was racking my brain trying to figure out what he's talking about. And acres. then Tom told me that your nuts ache when they get kicked, so they're acres. What? See, a, what a line. Again, I want to go back to the beginning of the podcast where he said he loved the dialogue. What a line. It's a... some you know that's that's the end of boba fett and that's a punched up that's a punched up script
0: mandalorians can't handle the testy kick
2: fact i would get darth vader that's such a that's a i mean
0: there's a lot of good people he could hans gruber which by the way one of the rumored people to play benedict was You
2: you keep selecting unsuccessful bad guys
0: yeah but he had a really he had a much better plan than benedict what was
2: benedict's plan well, he get, didn't really have one to get Dracula and King Kong. Listen,
0: <laughs> the storming of Nakatomi Plaza was much more well orchestrated than the let's put a bunch Ooh, of I, I nerve it, gas
2: it. inside a fat Italian guy at his funeral. I would get the bad guy from the bad guys from the Happening, the M Night Shyamalan <laughs> movie, the trees <laughs> to kill Jack Slater. Oh, spoiler for that piece of shit movie, yeah,
0: that's that's effective.
2: am fucking dead. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't think he could handle that. Although there's a great photo of Arnold from when he's governor sitting in the woods amongst a bunch of wildlife. It's fantastic. I'll put that on the Twitter, at hops and B.O. Flops. Is it a Polaroid you
2: have, or is it, like, from the Internet?
0: I Well, it's not a great shot because I was hiding <laughs> behind a tree, but... <laughs> Creep. I did what I could. Early iPhone years, too. I mean, it's not great.
2: Yeah, I would say... Um I would say the there were a lot of better bad guys he could have picked than King Kong and Hitler,
0: and the Ripper. I mean, the Ripper makes it personal. I get it. And kudos to Tom Noonan, who's like unrecognizable as. the How about Ripper.
2: Jason Voorhees? Again, you want to be a you want to be a farmer? <laughs> I think Voorhees is basically asexual. He's not going to get any acres. Doesn't Freddy kick him in the nuts? Before his entire, jersey?
0: entire existence is based upon killing t- horny teenagers. He's a voyeur. He's got testes.
2: Yeah, well, that's fair.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, Freddy. Then he can haunt Jack Slater's dreams. But then again, how do you know you took him out of the, the movie? Because you'd have to fall asleep
2: to figure it out. I think that's too risky. You don't bring Freddy out. You can't. You no, don't want you him can't in, control that. You mad don't want man. him out in reality. Next thing you know, he's force-feeding you beans. What's that? Uh, Fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to King Kong. I think King Kong was right now. I've talked myself back into it.
0: What about Mechagodzilla? Because then you could pilot the monster. How about no? Okay, fair (laughs) enough. All right, my last question. Well, I have two more uh, before we take a quick break and then get into the uh, -the behind-the-scenes drama. You have two more. Who's got worse gas? It's you, you or Leo the fart? Now, Leo the fart, dude, is a uh, the whole the whole thing is the Torelli mob is uh, gonna get blown up with nerve gas. Not blown up, but they're gonna die this horrible death uh, because they loaded Leo the fart, who, true to form, he has a lot of gas. Uh, He's just
2: a big, fat, dead guy. He's going to
0: pass gas one last time. That's the plot within the plot. So if you're a writer, if you're
2: one of the three or four writers on this movie, and then you just see that you have to name a dead guy that's fat and in the mob, how long does it take you to come up with Leo the Fart, and why the fuck do you just stop on that?
0: Well, I think that's part of like this movie's meant to be ridiculous. The movie within the movie's supposed to be ridiculous because by the fourth movie, you're always running out of ideas,
2: but Leo the fart,
0: why the fuck is he the fart? I mean the mystery man guy was the spleen
2: be the fart man. How do they know I have gas man? how do they know I have gas <laughs> how do they how do they know <laughs> I have gas yeah, Leo the fart was um an unexpected low point in this film, uh no. This man is alive! Yell, yell, yell! <laughs> Get a doctor. What's your last question? Well, you never answered it. Who's got
0: worse? Leo, I said Leo the Fart. Why? Because it's got like severe nerve inducing. Because it created <laughs> a
2: bubble in the San Andreas Tar Pit. Is that what it's called? The La
0: Brea Tar Pits. I was so close. Of which Too that set, they that rebuilt body. the tar pits. What's and that? A, a replica of the tar pits. They actually built. Oh, that wasn't the real tar pits. No. Not surprised. Best Arnold line in the film. I have a number of choices. So, go ahead. Danny shows up. He uh, thinks he's going to die. He throws up in the back Arnold's sweet car. Arnold says to him, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you're going to live to enjoy all the glorious fruits life has to offer.
2: Oh, Acne, pre- <laughs> shaving, premature ejaculation, that, and your first divorce. Yeah, well, Hearing Arnold say premature ejaculation to a teenager, teenage boy, well, actually, you're probably... <laughs> You probably, really, you probably really enjoyed that scene, but to me it was very off-putting. I think later they make another premature ejaculation joke. Second line. I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Dude, that was... What, how about when he just goes up to the house and he says, uh, is the family drug dealer here or whatever? The house drug dealer? It's such a nice good. day to be out killing drug dealers. Him not being able to pronounce his own last name was a pretty solid joke. Third line. He,
0: uh, this is when they're at Blockbuster, and of course, every girl in the movie is attractive because it's a movie. And she's like, You're in a movie? And he says, Yes. It was called The Girl of My Dreams. It starred you.
2: As a matter of fact, there was a, this very romantic scene where we had dinner together. If you could do that in an Austrian accent, I think it'll resonate. I, I, you know, the accent's getting worse. <clears throat> that was a terrible. Again, you liked this dialogue. I thought that pickup line was, was uh, lacking. The classic, which we just went over You Want to Be a Farmer. Yeah,
0: the two acres joke just—I still don't—I still don't get it. Oh, it's a beautiful day, and we're out—we're out killing drug dealers. Are there any in the house? Yeah, that—I—that I, that I had a good laugh at. Also, just before they come up to this house, which is staffed by Professor Toru Tanaka.
2: yeah For uh, those of you who have actually made it through multiple episodes, he was the knife-wielding. Knife belt-wielding bodyguard from The Perfect Weapon with Jeff Speakman.
0: Turns out he was an actual wrestler, if you follow our Twitter. And he once wrestled Bruno San Martino for the title. So he was a pretty successful
2: wrestler. Turns out he's just a head and shoulders, no neck. So
0: just before that line about drug dealers, he says, I mean, all I had to do is just drive around the neighborhood and point my finger at a house and say,
2: The bad guys are in there! (laughs) You're... Your Schwarzenegger gets progressively worse.
0: <laughs> it's not getting better. And now, this is my personal vote. Now, these lines all take place like right. I'm the, the famous point. comedian. Arnold Braunschweig is, is the best. It's the best. Is uh, Charles Dance, Benedict asks Arnold is he, if he has any questions after he just threatens him with his dogs who are doing a human pyramid, a dog pyramid. I thought
2: you said Benedict asks
1: Arnold.
0: And he says, yeah, two of them. Why am I wasting my time with a silly putz like you? when I could be doing something more dangerous, like rearranging my sock drawer. Two, how exactly are you going to snap your fingers after I rip off both of your thumbs? That's my favorite line in the movie. Yeah, no, I think it's the uh, famous comedian line. Also fantastic. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, You'll hear a word from uh, this week's sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll get into the behind the scenes. We're not scholars, but I did an insane amount of research for this movie, and I'll have links to all the stuff I found. And I want
2: I want everyone to know that I'm making Tom in the background watch Doctor Pimple Popper on mute. So if you hear him cringe or gag, in be- <laughs> disgusting, cringe or gag in between readings. That's why this is awful. It's so bad, just awful. If you think
0: my my accent is offensive, <laughs> you have got to watch this show, and we'll be back. Episodes of Hops and Box Office Flops are brought to you by sponsors like Is there a kink in your neck? Is your back all out of whack? Or are you just looking for a friendly place to limber up? Well, good news. At Sal Bandini's, he'll stretch you until either your cartilage snaps or you crap your pants. Guaranteed. Okay, we are back on Hops and Box Office Flops. And we are going to get into the... Stuff we learned while surfing the web about Last Action Hero. Now, I said this movie came out a week after Jurassic Park in the summer of 1993. Arnold, who also produced this movie and obviously was a star, had tried to persuade his co-producers to postpone the film for four to six weeks or something. Uh, They refused to do it, and of course then it's a massive bomb. So when Jurassic Park opened to this huge $47 million opening, Variety wrote, Lizards eat Arnie's lunch. And then that was it. Like the mood on the lot at Columbia totally shifted, and they thought they were in a lot of trouble. Because despite all the negative buzz, it was still an Arnold movie, still a big summer blockbuster. They thought it was going to do okay, and they just knew, like, in that moment, it's over. One employee compared the feeling on the lot at Columbia to the last
2: days of the nixon white house after watergate <laughs> that's a valid concern i mean why the fuck not push it back at least a couple weeks i think they thought they were going to lose
0: too much money on the marketing that they'd done and of course they had the nasa rocket that was scheduled to launch and then <laughs> that got canceled i think they paid something like 500 grand for that they had to have known that spielberg was going to put it out
1: like it like it was
0: going to time. be it was going to be a monster hit i mean spielberg and killer animals it just works
2: you just gotta be like flexible with your release date
0: like uh. Jaws created the summer blockbuster and Spielberg really had almost a track record of nothing but hits I think you know he had a couple of stumbles 1948 maybe uh, but the, I mean the guy was still considered probably the most one of the most successful commercial 1948?
2: directors 1948
0: what the hell's that? Uh, it's like a World War Two comedy he did <laughs> that was not well received, but I think the big thing was they had chosen the release date way before Jurassic Park did, and when <clears throat> Jurassic Park slid in there, and they kind of figured like this is probably going to be a big hit because there was a huge bidding war for Jurassic Park, uh, they just stuck to their guns. That's a pretty <clears throat> heavy topic to and write sometimes a that on. Uh, will cost you.
2: Yeah, that's. That's very unfortunate. Arnold had a point. They probably should have just moved it in like a month. Who gives a shit? Yeah. No,
0: I mean, if you're facing something that's going to be that monumental of a hit, just get out of the way, because it's, you're going to get run over. Uh, this film features the last on-screen appearance of Art Carney. He's uh, his second, his favorite, his second favorite cousin, Frank. Art Carney was Ed uh, Norton from The Honeymooners.
2: Well, oh, the guy that was tortured in his house, and he was yep. bringing him groceries. So, uh,
0: very famous in the '50s <clears throat> on a sitcom R. called The Honeymooners. Frank's last words in the movie: "I'm out of here." Those were apparently his last words in real life. Wait, he died in the movie. He died, and uh, in real life, years after the oh. movie. But yeah, so in the, when he dies in the movie, his last words are "I'm out of here." Those were apparently his last words. That's
2: a weird. Uh, is that made up? What's your source? Of I don't that?
0: know. That's, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, some of the places I go to get this information are, are not as reputable as others.
2: There's a, <laughs> there's, yeah. Having last words is a weird thing. Like, I feel like most people probably just get cut off in the middle of something. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of that movie where the person dies and they just like, and the guy's like, he blamed me. Did you hear it? <laughs> he just gurgled. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like my last words are going to be like cut off, and it'll sound really inappropriate because I didn't get to finish. Your my last sentence. words
0: are, "You want to be a farmer," <laughs> and then you never, you never get to the punchline. Your last words that's are
2: going to be, "Make sure you burn my Schwarzenegger journals, burn them, <laughs> <laughs> burn. delete my Schwarzenegger search history."
0: Uh, so the fact that Arnold uh, Jack Slater was out to avenge the death of his second favorite cousin—that's intentionally stupid. Like the plot is intentionally stupid to reflect the fact that by the time most people get to the fourth movie in a franchise, they have run out of ideas, which often
2: happens. I can't name the fourth a fourth movie in a franchise that I don't like, so
0: oh, I'm certain
2: there's got to be some <laughs> Superman, Lethal 4. Weapon four, Rocky four, Mission Impossible four. All right, so I guess Die a good Hard example 4.
0: of Die Hard five certainly sucks, right? Four, like they're out of ideas. By five.
2: Wait, was this Jack Slater five or four? This was four. Yeah. See? So, yeah. As it turns out, the uh, fourth is the best in all the franchises. The fourth Nightmare on Elm Street is not the best. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street's suspect anyway.
0: Well, he's better than Jason. Strong disagree. Sure.
2: You know that's not true. He's
0: much better. He also beat him in Freddy versus <clears throat> Jason straight up. Not true. Jason carries his head out at the yeah, end. Yeah, because he had to be helped by the mortal people yeah, to win the fight. he's just a fucking head. As I recall, he was like taking a nap in the lake.
2: We're not doing this here. This is not the (laughs) media. At another time.
0: So, Last Action Hero, uh, original screenplay by Zach Penn, who's still writing scripts now, and Adam Left, all all meant to parody typical, you know, 80s, 90s action movies, but it did so in a way that it was just a uber violent, like, action extravaganza. So, it differs heavily from the finished film in a lot of ways. And it was set almost entirely in the film world. Like the kid got into the film world. Are you talking about the original script? Yeah. Okay. So I have some back information on that. Uh, So it's all meant to sort of reflect on how this guy's trapped in this cycle of violence. And he can't get out of it. Everything in his existence is based upon this violence. Now, a lot of what I've got next, which is about not only the script, but everything else behind the scenes came from this Empire article. Uh, which I think was written in 2015, and I'll link to it on our Twitter, chronicling the disaster production of the film. So in researching the script, Penn and Leff just watched 80s, 90s action movies every day, nonstop. The most interesting thing I discovered from that was they said... Could you
2: imagine if your job included research that was 80s and 90s action movies? It'd be the best job ever. (laughs) I,
0: I mean, I do that for free, so. Correct. Oh, go ahead. Uh, they said, watching Steven Seagal movies one after another can be soul-crushing.
2: I agree. <laughs> Sounds like those guys just didn't have the fire down below.
0: So they quickly learn, and this happens a lot in Hollywood, and the more movies you kind of get into the behind-the-scenes of, you'll realize just because you're the original screenwriters does not necessarily mean you're going to be the, the – person who finishes the film uh, and they were fired they were replaced with Shane Black and they say it was this sort of surreal moment we're, probably, we're parodying this guy and now he's been hired to rewrite us it's just a strange strange thing so imagine that like Shane Black was a the guy they were trying to aspire to write so they watch like. like Die Hard, Lethal oh, Weapon,
2: yeah. Predator
0: yeah and then they're fired and they find out they're being replaced by him It always sucks do, do they get paid? Oh, you get paid, yeah. You get paid a, a an upfront fee to write the script. And if you're credited, you're going to get residuals. And they are, uh, they are no longer credited, I don't think, because so much was changed. I don't know the intricacies of how crediting works in Hollywood, but if you rewrite so much or reshoot so much of a movie like you are then the writer or the director of that movie. Story
2: by, written by. Yeah.
0: So there's stories screen by that. Screenplay
2: by. Screenplay by. I always, I always, whenever I see like the credits at the beginning or the end of movies, I always wonder what it means when it, it says like "and also starring" or "and Timothy Dalton" or something like it. Always, I always want to wonder what they have in their it's, contract that it's gives them always, that credit.
0: It's always something interesting on on who gets billed first. <clears throat> Or how your name is portrayed.
2: I'd love to always be featuring. Featuring the irate lover. Correct. I think even on, yeah, correct.
0: So as I said, legendary screenwriter William Goldman, $1 million polish.
2: You say $1 million polish?
0: Yeah, to polish the script. And that happened because Arnold made it clear that he would not begin filming until Goldman had taken a pass at it. He wanted his character to have more depth. And I think actually Jack Slater does have a bit of depth to him because, in in the end, you know, the annoying kid is always like, This is a movie, this is a movie. But to him, it's not a movie, it's his life. So he doesn't understand that he's a fictional character because everything that's happened to him in this fictional world happened to him. I have an idea for. You know, his
2: son is dead. That's a thing that happened to him. Here's an idea for how to make sure the right person gets credit for it whoever wrote in the idea of the fucking cartoon cat in the precinct should not get credit
0: and that's that's the thing i I would really like to see a breakdown of which ideas came from where like i know i've i've probably done way too much research on the behind the scenes of justice league because i'm sort of so disillusioned by what happened with that movie and i began trying to pick apart which scene was whose and who'd done what uh, and I don't think that's even possible for this. I mean, if you read Penn and left script, script, you'd know what ideas were theirs. For example, I know when he's in Hamlet and he throws the skull at the guy, that's one of their ideas. Uh, that's just like an example, but oh, yeah, sure. it's such a mishmash. So when this movie was wrapped filming, they had three weeks to edit it and get it ready for theaters. Three weeks. Wow. Could you imagine Not that? a lot of editing. Yeah. So again no time for reshoots either why not hope you got it all why not delay the movie yeah and you already know the word of mouth is not good and this is pre-internet so imagine they think the word of mouth is so bad that if they push the movie it's gonna kill it imagine now like the way the internet reacts to stuff how it would have reacted to this movie firing writer after writer there's all this onset drama you know things aren't it, it tests terribly I could only imagine what people would say.
2: I feel like your journal had a lot of Schwarzenegger movie porn parodies.
0: Well, fan fiction.
2: Fanfic. sorry, fanfic. Fanfic. fan <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like
0: uh, the lady who did the Twilight fan fiction, and Spermator, now she's too. richer than I could ever hope to be. Uh, McTiernan, as they're editing the film, is quoted, Do you know the old joke the editing department says to Cecil B. DeMille? The editors are dropping like flies, and Demille says, "Hire more flies." That—that that was their life, in the editing room of this movie. All right, just a furious pace.
2: <clears throat> Mary, Bangkill, all of Schwarzenegger's characters from movies go. <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, I'm here to punch up the podcast. Give it to me. Well, I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to marry Harry Tasker. Really? He keeps a lot of secrets. I'm okay with that. He provides for the family. He tape records Puerto Rican men saying things seductively. Son around. Do it. Do it slowly. So I'm going to marry Tasker. I feel like he'll protect me. I'm probably going to bang Tasker as well. <laughs> Doesn't that come with the marriage? I guess you can't do that. I'll, oh no no no. Okay, I'll bang tasker. I'll marry Howard from Jingle All the Way. Howard? He's a shitty dad too. He's an awful dad. Alright, I'll marry Conan the Barbarian. <laughs>
0: what you got? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh kill is pretty easy. I'm just gonna go with the villain. Red Sonia? Oh god! If I yeah, Russian Austrian Schwarzenegger. Uh, I definitely. I'm getting rid of the villain. His character from the villain. I don't even know his name. You're out. Uh, Uh, I marry the Terminator because when when I'm old and incompetent, he can take care of me. You marry the Terminator. Yeah, he'll always be
2: the same, and he can look after me. You see, just. Nothing in common, no personality, no conversation. He, he's a great listener. This is unbelievable.
0: Every time I'm down, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I just need <laughs> someone to talk to. Terminator's there.
2: That's a it's a bold choice. All right, fair enough. And uh, who you banging? You know what? I feel like pumping iron, Schwarzenegger. loosey Goosey, fun,
0: smoking doobies, Schwarzenegger. He's a good guy to hang. He's a good hang.
2: He's a good. Hang. <laughs> All right, back to your uh, movie notes. Can't believe you're going to marry the Terminator. So according to uh
0: McTiernan, there's enormous sequences in that film, including action sequences that are literally how they came out of the camera because they didn't have time to edit them. Which is crazy.
2: Like the ice cream cone to the back of the head,
0: "to cone a phrase." Damn it, uh, Shane Black hates the finished product. I think he's sort of cooled on that, but he thinks it's just a mess. And uh, there's all these. There's a movie in there, but you can't find it.
2: Shane, if you're listening, we know you're listening. Don't feel bad about this one. This one, again, just a little ahead of its time, and sounds like there were too many cooks in the
1: kitchen.
0: Now here, you know, here's uh, one way you know William Goldman is. One of the great screenwriters, and he was, and probably a lot of people consider him the best. Benedict, that was his creation. Who was the bad guy before Benedict? I don't know, so I guess I'd have to go back and... Was it King Kong? Oh wow, I just got a text. You're not going to believe this. Guess who got Antonio Brown? Who? This is live breaking news. The Buffalo Bills. (laughs) no I'm wearing my one buffalo sweatshirt shut up and we just made the stupidest trade imaginable are you being serious right now that's the, the text I got so yeah William Goldman created Benedict and is I this think... a
2: re- reputable source you got this from I think
0: alright we're gonna we're gonna oh it is
2: <laughs> yeah we
0: gotta I'm not really happy with that <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back for more behind the scenes. We we need to talk about
2: this. We need to start a new podcast about Bill's executive decisions.
0: Yeah, no. We had a lot of money to spend.
2: Oh, this Uh, is great.
0: So, Benedict, that's Goldman. That's the strongest. I think he's the strongest element. One of the stronger elements of the film. Uh, Leo the Fart. That was Shane Black and his writing partner. So there you go.
2: Antonio Brown's going to just love Buffalo. I mean, great quarterback Oh, yeah, situation. this is going to go terrible. Great environment to be in. He seems like he really. All
0: right, we're, we're done talking about it. We can talk about Antonio Brown at the
2: end of the podcast. This is fantastic.
0: Uh, apparently, they got the idea for Leo the Fart from Richard S. Prather's murder mystery novel, The Mandarin Corpse.
2: So I've never read it, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, when you do this segment, you should like you should bring facts from the movie and the filming that don't suck. Well, usually like you don't have this much behind the scenes stuff. Like, uh, usually you want to filter it down to stuff that is pretty great. Like not telling me Leo, the fart came from a novel that you haven't read. All right. So
0: <laughs> this is, we'll, we'll skip some stuff. Cause a lot of it's on set drama. Black was Hopefully by like set.
2: episode 50, this is going a lot better. Uh, Years after its release,
0: this film, as I said, it was a chapter of a book uh, called How They Built the Bomb. It's in the book Hit and Run by Nancy Griffith, and it details the misadventures at Sony Pictures in the early to mid-90s. Now, if you're familiar with Sony, they're still having many misadventures. Uh, They got hacked by the Koreans for making the movie The Interview, and all their dirty laundry was aired, including several... Emails from executives about how stupid they were for paying Adam Sandler a bunch of money, et cetera, and so
2: on didn't they like in the 80s get bought out by a Japanese corporation that Then just basically abandoned them completely and took all the executives away
0: uh, I think Sony was always a Japanese owned company, but it's like always had several divisions,
2: but I, I mean I,
0: I'm not an expert enough on that Um. I mean, most of the stuff we talked about, them destroying the test cards, uh, which actually, to kind of quiet the word of mouth, which turned out to be a worse decision. They had a 75-foot balloon, which is in the movie, of Schwarzenegger holding sticks of dynamite that was erected in Times Square. Uh, And do you remember when the World Trade Center was bombed the first time in the mid-'90s, early-'90s? Yeah, yeah. So that happened in February of 93. So they thought that Schwarzenegger holding a stick of dynamite in the middle of Times Square was in poor taste. So they had to get rid of
2: the balloon. So they paid all this money for the balloon, get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you that are into hip-hop, that's what Biggie Smalls is referencing when he says, blow up like the world trade. He was talking about the one in the uh, early 90s, not 9-11 uh yeah that's right why do you keep bringing up world trade center bombings well let's no let's keep it let's keep it on a positive note come on
0: in its second weekend it lost the sleepless in seattle <laughs> oh my god yeah. okay the jurassic park excuse i'm buying it <laughs>
2: but sleepless in seattle
0: yeah. so it dropped only 47 percent by today's standards that's well it's a lot when you only make 15 million oh, but the hurts. box office numbers have shifted dramatically since the mid-90s like Forty-seven million today is not a lot either. Well, it's a lot, but it's not Jurassic Park. I mean, what did Jurassic World do? Two hundred million. Probably. Yeah. And that what Uh, Chris Pratt just got. So they they made this movie with digital sound, Sony Dynamic Digital Sound. Turns out, only a handful of theaters were even set up to use that. Uh, Again,
2: ahead of its time. So.
0: A lot of the theaters showing the movie experienced all sorts
2: of technical problems. Sleepless in Seattle, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie's better than Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Fact. I don't know which one had the worst kid actor.
0: You know, the movie itself didn't make a lot of money and kind of flopped, but the soundtrack did incredibly well, peaked at number seven on the Billboard 200, Seems high. and uh, was certified Platinum.
2: Eh, I think there's some ACDC, yeah. some Yeah, the ACDC
0: song, Big Gun, yeah, this... was specifically written for this movie. And this it was at Arnold's request. Kind of rock. They yeah. wrote it for it. So Nice. You noticed this one. You brought it up. Remember when they blow up his second favorite cousin, Frank's house? The black cop says, two days to retirement. Yes. And then the Lethal Weapon riff plays. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously a nod to Shane Black's Lethal Weapon.
2: We said two said only two days left on the job. So
0: here's some casting. What could have been? Charles Ooh. Dance played Benedict. Yes. As I said, they were thinking about getting Hans Gruber himself, Alan Rickman. Eh, okay. They didn't. And when Benedict found out that Rickman had turned down the role because of salary, he would go around the set wearing a shirt that said, I'm cheaper than Alan Rickman. <laughs> uh, Classy. There was also a chance that Timothy Dalton, a Bond, could have played the role it did not so the villain uh benedict? yeah could have played benedict yeah he'd have been and fine. the last candidate is mr it's true this man has no penis william atherton from of ghostbusters fame wow yeah now i think uh atherton's actually really good at being kind of a shitbird. bird uh, and i think dalton and rickman would have been great as well but i'm glad that charles dance got the part i like him in this part quite a bit
2: no nah, he's a great villain he's creepy
0: steven spielberg who whose movie destroyed this movie at the box office was offered the chance to direct it (laughs) it turned it down turned it down Uh, instead he made schindler's list safe to say he probably made the right call schindler's list i think is one of the best movies ever made it is a fantastic movie and an important
2: movie and it really was a shift in spielberg's career you think that it's better than last action hero
0: yeah it is I mean, I cry throughout the entire runtime of Schindler's List.
2: That's, That's a, not an
0: understatement. Yeah. Eh. I think it's it's just, it's a very important movie, especially, I think I read a statistic the other day that somewhere around 60% of millennials don't know what Auschwitz is. Well, wow. Maybe they should see Schindler's List.
2: Didn't you cry at Must Love Dogs, though?
0: Well, I mean, I cry a lot, but... <laughs> I think the saddest thing I read in my research for this movie, and we're just about done, is that McTiernan said that when this film was rejected so soundly, it sort of broke Arnold's heart. Reject, rejected at what, Cam? By, uh, <laughs> by the fans, you know? And it wasn't the end of him as being this huge superstar. By, by this point, you know, we're well into decade two of Arnold being the biggest star in the world. Uh, but it was pretty close to the end. Like he did True Lies after this, huge hit. But that was you know, Eraser was a big hit, but Eraser's not that great of a movie. And it really tails off towards the late nineteen nineties, early two thousands. You're getting into like the sixth day territory and end of days, which yes, you and I love end of days. Love it. It was not a hit. Puts pizza in a blender. You know, and outside of Terminator three, which was a big hit. You know, we never got the, that Arnold
2: again, which sucks. Well, it's good that I mean this didn't end his career just because True Lies no, came after. No, True, no. True Lies is one of his best. Movies. Yeah, and
0: it's a James Cameron, Cameron movie, and it's True Lies is just so good. Yeah, fantastic. it's it's more than an action movie because it's a very smart, witty. It's a well-made movie. Well,
2: Tom Arnold carries it, but.
0: Well, yeah, and the horse, and. The- Dreamer, the one with the, the fucking one with horse. The fucking horse. Another fun little uh, nod. It's a Jack Slater three or maybe it was four. Is a Franco Columbo film. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah, yeah. It comes up. With Franco, Franco, Franco Columbo is production uh, or something. One of Arnold's lifting buddies <clears throat> uh, from way back in the day. If you've seen Pumping Iron, he wins the smaller
2: uh, weight class. He's an Italian bodybuilder. He's the gentleman that is having. An Italian dinner and moves a car. Yeah, literally picks up a car. Picks up a car just by using, like, uh, I don't know, hand warmers from the kitchen to move it over. <laughs> He's holding, like, towels. <laughs>
0: okay, so that is uh, the behind the scenes. And uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I have the scale. and I, I want to know where Jack Slater ranks on the scale of invincible badass police officers. So we'll be back. All right, we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops. We want I want to know where Jack Slater ranks on the scale of invincible badass police officers. So I have 5, right? We we've trimmed this down since the uh first time around and now I just give one example, one being a one being the worst, a 5 being the best. So pardon the pun, but uh I don't want to always be shitting on this guy, but he does have a pants full of crap. Steven Seagal is Jack Cole in The Glimmer Man. <laughs> Are you, you probably should explain to everybody about the shit oh, Come.: So if you listen to our <clears throat> last episode, I divulged a bit of information about Steven Seagal, who once told Judo Gene LeBell that you could never choke me out, I'm Steven Seagal. And so Judo Gene LeBell choked him so forcefully that Se- Seagal shit his pants. Shit his gi. So at every chance I get, I will assign a Seagull character as the worst possible character.
2: I've shit my ghee before. To be fair, I was a preteen and had a terrible diet.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, that's a much more legitimate excuse. So Steven Seagull is Jack Cole in The Glimmer Man, a former operative, renowned for his stealth. <laughs> Glimmer Man? He's renowned for his stealth, yet for some reason wears an incredibly flamboyant jacket who tracks down a killer.
2: Glimmerman, that's a great one on this scale. Scale.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's like the, that is the definition of a one.
2: That was like the movie where Seagal just started to make, it was probably like his last movie that was in theaters, and then after that, everything was pretty much straight to DVD. That was
0: the film where when the director would ask where Seagal was, everyone's response would be catering.
2: (laughs) Uh, Craft services. (laughs)
0: So number two, Stephen Baldwin as Bo Deedle in One Tough Cop.
2: Oh my God. A
0: real New York City cop raised in a tough neighborhood, surrounded by mobsters. He talks very gruff and always has a five o'clock shadow. Got it. All right. What's number three? Number three, Sylvester Stallone as John Spartan in Demolition Man, an out-of-control cop frozen for 30 years who hates healthy food and VR sex, but loves kicking people's heads
1: off.
2: Okay, yeah,
0: digging it. Uh, Number four, Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon, who following the death of his wife becomes reckless and suicidal, enjoys eating dog biscuits, and fighting the last remaining remnants of non-crazy Gary Busey.
2: Nice, and then who is the baddest ass cop?
0: Bruce Willis as John McClane in Die Hard, who saves his estranged wife's Christmas party from a gruesome. of a group of Eastern European terrorists
2: and Walker, Texas Rangers partner. So am I ranking the Jack Slater? That's just the action star or the Jack Slater. That's in the actual movie last action hero, the Jack Slater from, am the I Jack ranking Slater movie, the fictional Jack Slater or the fictional fictional Jack Slater?
0: You can rank, you can rank both if you want. I think they're I
2: know where they're at in my mind jack slit where they're at in your mind yeah i know that in your mind too it's whatever part of the mind processes. <laughs> never mind the the uh the skill uh, definitely better than one tough cop i don't know probably between john spartan and mel gibson and lethal weapon okay that's fair three and a half I guess. I, if
0: you were going to put them between john spartan and bo deedle we are no. going to have
2: problems. No, 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 Not at all. Like huge problems. Although... Like
0: it, judo gene shit in our pants problems.
2: If we... We need to, You need to rank like 10 to 15 action movies because I would put Demolition Man ahead of Last Action Hero for sure.
0: I think uh, in the pantheon of mid-90s action movies, I'd say they're yeah they're pretty comparable. I like... I like Last Action Hero better than Demolition Man, but Demolition Man also has the better villain turn. Uh,
2: I, Last Action Hero is different, though. You almost want to put it like uh, in its own category with uh, like Big Trouble in Little China. It's not just a pure action movie like Demolition Man is. It's, it's different. It has a different tone. It's going for this weird, like, deconstructed humor.
0: Demolition Man, uh, Simon Phoenix, is a great bad guy. Oh, for sure. And when I found out that Will Smith uh, was leaving Suicide Squad 2 uh, due to time uh, time and scheduling conflicts, I really wanted them to reach out to Wesley Snipes to be uh, dead shot.
2: I hope he didn't leave Suicide Squad 2 to become the genie. That's going to be a bad career. You know procedure. what that, was,
0: that one's called? Career Suicide
2: Squad. <laughs> well played. Yeah. That's your best joke of the entire podcast? Yes, it is.
0: Uh, but you're gonna like this. Guess who they're apparently gonna get to replace Will Smith? In Suicide Squad? Yep. Who? Idris Elba.
2: Is it Idris Elba? Idris Elba. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah,
0: ever. I mean that's pretty money. Luther. If you I would have seen...
2: preferred Wesley Snipes. There's a recommendation for you guys. If you haven't seen Luther, the BBC show with Idris Elba, get on it. It's fantastic. So I think I think it's fair.
0: You you put it right between uh, Lethal Weapon and. And Demolition Man, in terms of the invincible, badass policeman. Uh, I would rank it, yeah, it's like a three seven. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I do. I, I loved it a lot more when I was a kid. I still think it's really great. Uh, but you can't put it up there with Die Hard. Die Hard is, is more than an action movie. Die Hard is just a great movie. It's the gold standard for it action is. movies. It's a Christmas movie. Correct. And a good one. Die Hard has it all. And, of course, Hans Gruber is the gold standard for action movie villains, too. So even though I like Charles Dance in
2: this, he's not Hans Gruber. Right. And action movie villains that are like uh, boss bad guys, not like the uh, the physical threat bad guys.
0: It's, it's interesting because I still watch a lot of action movies, and... I think there there was a standard in the '90s that uh, Stallone and and even Willis with the Die Hard franchise and, and Schwarzenegger had that just isn't met anymore. Like a lot of the Rock's movies are unwatchable. Like Skyscraper is just a stupid, awful movie. It's just bad. The villain is stu- is bland. He's a nothing. Like he's just there. It's just it's it's like oh, well, it's a Rock movie. Well, guess what. Schwarzenegger movies still had to have other pieces in them to make them good movies. Like they weren't
2: all commando. Right? The Terminator doesn't work without Sarah Connor. I don't think there's pure action movies anymore because there's just not like well Tony Jaw. But like American actors, they want to be they don't want to be just action stars. Like Yeah. There's they, never gonna be someone like, you know, Van Damme or Schwarzenegger where they're just completely fine being typecast as an action star, and that's it. I think everybody just wants to branch out too much. Even the guy, even the people that are in action movies today. I mean, they're all gonna have like other roles in dramas or comedies and stuff. Yeah, and I, although Schwarzenegger did some fantastic comedies. Yeah, he had he had some good. You know, he didn't do roles. any fantastic comedies. That's what, this is this this is what we need to do. Least rangy action stars. I'm going to vote Seagal number one. Oh, certainly. He's up there. <laughs> I mean, cause he's simply incapable
0: of doing anything besides monotone moron with a ponytail. Oh, he's so bad. He's awful. Uh, at least even Van Damme could do parts. Of, like there'd be scenes in his movies where he tried to be goofier.
2: Like they don't he, exactly work. Like when he drunk dances in yeah. kickboxer. Uh, so I think, did you see JCVD? Yeah, that's a good movie. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah. Weird, but not bad.
0: So what what really works best about this movie, and why it's it's, but it's not up there with stuff like Die Hard, is because it is sort of riffing on those other uh, other movies. And I think one of the the perfect examples of a movie that this would be making fun of is Stallone's Cobra. From the intro on out. Cobra is so ridiculous, and it the intro to Cobra is exactly the same as Jack Slater's intro in this movie, where he walks up, he's told not to do anything, immediately defies the order, goes in, and kills someone.
2: Almost the same scene. I don't shop here. Yeah. I believe he even drinks a warm beer at the beginning of it. Yeah, that.
0: it's like... You know, In this movie, Arnold walks across the tops of cop cars while this guy's shooting a semi-automatic rifle from a roof. I won't have you, solid Cobra,
2: on this podcast. Cobra's fantastic. I'm just saying. But that's the type of
0: movie it's making fun of, and that's why I think it works so well, because there were a lot of movies like that. Yeah, I get it. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do Six Degrees. The Irate Lover will challenge me, and uh, then we'll give you some rec- quick recommendations, and uh, I have a few this week. So... We'll be right back. And we're back on Hops and Box Office Flops. Real quick, you can find us on Twitter at Hops and BO Flops. And you can find myself, the Thunderous Wizard, at writerTLK. And uh, so this week, Irate Lover is going to challenge me. That's going to be kind of the format we do because I have sort of a freakish memory
2: for this stuff. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. I'd have to Google everything. That'd be very disingenuous. So who do you got for me? Well, because you brought up Jurassic Park challenging this movie opening weekend, I'm going to give you Wayne Knight, Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Ah,
1: ah, ah. Okay, so Wayne Knight and who?
2: <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Wayne Knight and Arnold. I should have given you the kid from this movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, uh. Oh, this is terrible. Okay, I got it. (laughs) Uh, it. (laughs) So Wayne Knight goes to Bill Murray in Space Jam. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Bill Murray goes to William Atherton in Ghostbusters. William Atherton goes to Val Kilmer in Real Genius. Val Kilmer goes to Chris O'Donnell in
2: Bat- Batman and Batman. And Robin. Robin. Oh, damn it. Forever,
0: Chris O'Donnell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Batman and Robin.
2: Batman forever, Batman and Robin. So there's Backward. your six
0: degrees. See, sometimes I can be sort
2: of... Dude, uh, that was impressive. Yeah. I, I swear to God, I don't tell Tom that shit before the podcast, so that's amazing. Sometimes I process at very high speeds, uh, and since this is the
0: re-recording and we're not enjoying the... Uh, Stone uh, Brewery Ripper, which was dedicated to the rooftop Ripper. Yes. Uh, I usually process a lot faster. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. All right. Recommendations. Recommendations. So, on the theme of William Goldman, who came in and did the touch up on the script, uh, he passed away. It was a few months back. Uh, and there's a great podcast that's sort of dedicated to his memory that Bill Simmons did. He was a friend of William Goldman's. Uh, Mike Lupica. Joins the show as well as other people And they just sort of talk about William Goldman's life and career And I decided I was going to go back And read a bunch of his books And watch a bunch of his movies Now you know, he did All the President's Men And Bush Cassie and the Sundance Kid Are two of the really famous ones But uh, if you're really into Hollywood And although the book's old It's still pretty poignant In how it looks at these things uh, His Adventures in the Screen Trade Is a great little read about sort of the 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 how weird Hollywood can be. And right now I'm also reading Marathon Man, which is a movie he also wrote, which uh starring Dustin Hoffman and oh, yeah. Lawrence Olivier and uh, Roy Schneider or Roy Scheider, right? Scheider. Scheider? The guy from Jobs? Yeah, Scheider. Oh, no. So I'm reading the book Marathon Man that he wrote. And it's a it's a good book. Uh, it's a great movie too. Uh but you know, whenever guys like that Uh, pass on you know their, their art will live on forever so I've been going through a lot of his catalog and I've been enjoying it quite a bit and it's taught me a lot about writing and I'm a writer as well so I've had a good time and I would recommend seeing any of the movies he's written but definitely go back and read Adventures in the Screen Trade it's a really cool look at how you know when it comes to what's going to be a hit and what's not going to be a hit and in this case you know this seems like it's going to be a surefire hit right turns out nobody really knows anything right you're just hoping you're taking elements that you think have worked in the past and you're hoping they're going to work this time around and that's not always the case and that's how you get a box
2: office bomb i mean it's kind of like building a football team what works in the past overpaying a uh, wide receiver that's well past his prime that doesn't fit in with his current team Guy with character issues. Probably fit in in Buffalo, who bleaches his mustache.
0: Yeah, who uh, has his own water boy at (laughs) practice. He'll fit in great with the blue-collar city of Buffalo.
2: All right. uh, Just one recommendation from me. Uh, I was watching uh, Falling Asleep to uh, Always Sunny on Hulu, and I got through the last episode, and it recommended AP Bio. So Dennis, or Glenn Howerton, Dennis from Always Sunny, is in a show, I want to say it's on Fox, or it might have been on Fox, now it's on NBC, AP Bio, you know, it stands for uh, Advanced Placement Biology, it is, uh, him, He's a, he stars in it, Patton Oswalt's also in it as a principal, it is just outright hilarious, I usually don't laugh out loud at things, but there are some scenes in that show that uh, just made me crack up, so Give AP Bio a shot. I think they're going to do a second season of it. It was just hilarious.
0: So uh, that about uh, wraps us up. I have two things. One, don't ever subject me to Doctor Pimple Popper as background. Dude, this again. has been a
2: rough. This has been a rough watch for me. Is
0: a stomach turning?
2: As soon as we started the podcast, there was just a knee spilling with cottage cheese. I'm not even sure if that was real or not, but it was unsettling.
0: It was a nightmare. To say the least. So thank you for joining us. And thank you to revengeofthefans.com. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, uh, There's going to be a week off because I'm out of town. And we'll return with uh, the Arnold big comeback film, The Last Stand, before we wrap up Arnold Action Month with Batman and Robin. So stay tuned. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.